0: Hello and welcome to See What We See with Lauren and Martin. My name is Lauren Cashin. I'm the Executive Director of the Ontario Opticians Association and I'm here with my co-host, Martin LeBeau, Deputy Executive Director of the Ontario Opticians Association.
1: On today's episode, we'll be discussing the relationship between brain trauma and child vision loss. We'll also be joined by Fiona Anderson. Fiona is the President of the International Opticians Association. We're very excited for her to join us today. Let's begin by providing a quick overview of today's topic. The link between head trauma, brain injury, and visual loss is well documented. Unfortunately, recent research shows that visual loss associated with brain damage is now the single greatest cause of visual impairment in children in developed countries. Here are some of the facts that may surprise you about this issue. Every year in Ontario, approximately 795 children out of 100,000 will will sustain a brain injury. There's been research at the National Institute of Health showing that 78% of, of children in a study diagnosed with uncorrectable vision loss will also experience motor, sensory, or cognitive disorders as well. These disorders can have adverse effect on development and education. Six out of 10 children experiencing reading difficulties have uncorrected or undetected vision problems. Almost 25% of school-age children have vision problems. So now maybe it's time to bring the, our, our expert, uh, Fiona Anderson. Welcome Fiona to our podcast, See What We See. How are you doing today?
2: I'm really well, thank you.
1: Ah, great. Thank you for joining us. For our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: My name is Fiona Anderson. I've got a good Scottish name and a good Scottish accent. I hope you can uh, understand me. I'll try and speak slowly. Uh, I'm a dispensing optician based here in Scotland in the United Kingdom. I have been a great advocate throughout my optical life of of lifelong learning. After finishing my, my qualification to be an optician, I also studied for degree in business administration and then I gained a qualification in refraction in 2009 and then I went back to my optical roots and did a qualification in uh, spectacle manufacturing. So I I think I, I bring quite a lot to the table in that not only am I an optician but I can make spectacles and I understand the business behind them. I've also been fairly much involved in uh, our optical politics in the UK as well. I served as the president of our association, uh, the Association of British Dispensing Opticians, and I actually spent 10 years as a whole on our board of directors.
0: Wow, that's quite the resume there you've got, Fiona. So I'm going to jump in with a question. You know, as opticians, we work with parents all the time and they come in with different prescriptions and we don't know whether that prescription is because of a brain injury or just a a visual problem for something else. How would a parent know that their child has suffered a brain injury?
2: Well, I mean, that's a really good question. And How do we know? Obviously, very small children often can't articulate to us uh, that something's not quite right. So I I think as parents, we we need to be vigilant. We need to be looking at the kids and and picking up on, on clues from them. I think as a matter of course, we should take kids for routine eye exams, just like we would take them to the doctor's office for a checkup or or the dentist, you you take them in the hope that nothing's wrong. But again, it's it's good practice to get into the routine of of taking the kids to to the optician or, or the eye doctor for checkups, not only on how well they can see but on pathology as well. I think some changes that we you know we might notice would be perhaps the way a child sits, if, if they start to perhaps tilt their head to one side, or they maybe close an eye, you know, they, they move closer to the television or the, the tablet that they're using, or even sort of just altering the, the position of their gaze, it, it might be a clue to us that there might be something, you know, not just 100%, and maybe something that, that we would want to investigate a little bit further.
0: Right, so I guess at the end of the day, it's routine eye exams, and also being aware of your child, watching a child when he or she is reading, just doing different tasks.
1: Fiona, your expertise, we, we do know that um, kids with some vision concerns uh, lead sometimes to learning disabilities, behavioral concerns. Some of these kids have harder cases, what does that type of vision loss will lead them to in the future?
2: In my experience, it's it's really difficult to, to figure out whether it is purely a refractive error or whether there's something, you know, a little bit more going on. Often children will, will be picked up, whether it's through the school system, by routine, sort of just checking out you know maybe a nurse coming in to check visions and one of the biggest challenges we have is is in small children young children they're in that critical period for such a short space of time so you know, generally accepted from from about zero to eight years. So by the time maybe a vision problem is picked up, we've only got a finite period of time where we can actually be instrumental in changing that and improving the vision. Like everything in life, that early intervention is is the real key. You
0: know, in our practice, an eye that is just isn't lining up properly, it'll they'll find out that they have very little vision in that one eye. And I think that comes back to what you said that window of opportunity to assess and to treat the problem. We've seen children that have a, one of the eyes is patched and parents kind of wonder, why are you patching the good eye? Maybe you could tell us a little about what, why the doctor would patch that
2: eye. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fairly common practice, isn't it? We've all seen children either with, with a, a patch on their face or a patch on, on their spectacles if they wear them. And of course, that, that's to block off the vision in, in the good eye to try and stimulate the weaker eye to work. So, you know, if you think about all of us, um, you know, we've all got muscles in our body. Um, we can't just go out and run a marathon you know we, we've got to we've got to build up to that so it's a bit like training the muscles so that they're much better able to, to do the, the task that they are you know they're given by patching off that good eye it stimulates and encourages that weaker eye to do some work as you rightly say we only have that small window of opportunity to do it so it's really important that that child wears the pat on the good eye and then if they have a, a spectacle correction if that you know they have a pair of specs for the other eye that they wear that as much as possible so that we get that that good outcome. Um, one of the biggest problems that I have and, and I'm sure we've all encountered it in practice is that that you get that what I call an apathetic parent. You know, they come in and, and they say, you know, I, I just can't get them to wear their specs. Um, it's really important that they do try, whether whether they, they make a, a game out of it. I mean, one of, one of the best um, solutions I had was, was, a, was a family who had a small young child. He was only three um, and had to get a pair of specs. Um, again, vision wasn't as good on one side as it was on the other. Wouldn't wear them. Of course, he was a three-year-old. He was running around and playing all the time. And what they did was on Sunday, when they all went to, to grandma and granddad's for dinner, they all sat at the table and everyone had a pair of specs, whether they needed them or not. And they all put them on and they all sat down to dinner and everyone around the table had specs on. And from that day forward, that kid has worn his specs. Now, he's six now. He still has specs, but his vision's much better balanced. That potential problem has, has been averted. So there are ways that we can cajole kids and, and perhaps encourage them into wearing their specs predominantly it is a medical device. It's not a fashion accessory, but um, it is a medical device and it's, and it's there to serve a purpose first and foremost. You know,
0: and and having said that, it's a medical device. I've experienced in my practice where the parents get the child to wear the glasses, but maybe they're not being worn properly and they're not getting the full benefit of them. Fiona, so just as we're wrapping up here, what, what advice, what message do you have for parents and and on to our uh, the others in our audience, which are opticians. What advice do you have uh, that you could give for to parents and to opticians, so that we can support uh, our kids with their vision and also just overall with their pediatric health?
2: I mean, I think the main thing that that we need to do is, you know, we are the professionals. We are the people who are trained. Um, to to deliver the service of of interpreting prescriptions and advice on on frames and lenses. And I think, you know, my my overriding thing is you you have to be a bit bold about it. You know, if we don't stand up and shout about what we can do, no one else is going to do it for us. You know, as opticians in the community, you know, we we are perhaps not always in a hospital setting. People don't always recognise that we are actually, you know, giving what we would term in the UK as primary care. We are actually healthcare providers. My advice to everybody would be go out there and and be a thorn in everyone's side.
0: Great. (laughs) That's that's wonderful. And on that note, uh, I'd like to thank you so much, Fiona, uh, we know it uh, might even be bedtime for you over there on the other side of the
2: pond. Nope, just uh, mid-afternoon. It's about coffee oh, time, actually. Oh,
0: uh, <laughs> we really appreciate you taking your time to, to talk with Martin and I. So on behalf of uh, Martin and myself, the Opticians of Ontario, and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, and we hope to have you on again. Perfect. Thank you very much for asking me. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you very much, Fiona. You take care of yourself and you stay safe.
2: Thank you.
0: And this brings today's episode to a close. We want to thank our guest, Fiona Anderson, and we'd also like to thank today's sponsor, Transitions Optical. Thank you for listening to See What We See with Lorna Martin. Be sure to follow us across our social media pages so you never miss an update or an episode. You can find us on Twitter at OOA underscore frontline. On Facebook and LinkedIn, we are Ontario Opticians Association. Follow us on Instagram at Ontario Opticians Association. That's all one word. We look forward to seeing you again on See What We See with Warren and Martin. Take care and stay safe.